When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey everybody, this is Phil Town. And this is Danielle Town. Welcome to the Invested Podcast, where we are diving deep into Munger and Buffett and what everybody calls value investing, but which they say is just investing. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> which we tell, I totally agree with them. Everybody else is what the the fish that the gamblers are hooking. Is that right? Everybody else is the fish that the gamblers are hooking. Okay. Yep. Just making sure and I've it, got my gambling analogy. And it's a really proper. it's a really good point that it, it every other all good investing is value investing. Essentially, you're not investing if you have risk that you're not going to get your money back. That's not investing. That's gambling. Well, there's always some risk that you're not going to get your money back. Sure. But minimizing that as much as possible in terms of confidence in your own mind. Well, yes, and the confidence in your own mind, I think, comes from a, an objective criteria rather than a subjective criteria. Yeah. That is, you have to you have to be quite confident that you have estimated its future value to some degree, mm -hmm. uh, even if it's just it'll be more than today. <laughs> <laughs> That'll be fine for our purposes. And, um, and then you have a margin of safety on today's price. And we've talked about this endlessly, but it it is the essence of investing that you're buying something cheaper than it's worth. That's it, because that solves a lot of problems. And um, if you're not for sure you're doing that, if you're buying something because you hope somebody will buy it for more later, you're speculating and gambling. And of course, we see that a lot. And, you know, the last couple of weeks, we've been talking about what went on in the Buffett meeting, where Charlie has been extremely outspoken about gambling and those who encourage it on their platforms, um, including Robinhood and Bitcoin, as a couple of examples, notedly hmm. waving a red flag in front of the bull, as Charlie says. So we thought today what we would do is go through some Munger quotes, like yeah. fast. And on that, just because I'm going to forget if I don't say it now, I want to let everybody know that I'm sort of connected to like the great master's process here. I'm about to start reading all of the Buffett letters, uh, Berkshire Hathaway letters from 1977 onwards as a general intensive investing practice. And I did this back when I first started learning to invest back when we first started the podcast mm -hmm. and I called it my investing intensive because mm -hmm. in yoga, you go and you do a, an intensive course. They call it a yoga intensive. So I called it my investing intensive to like, oh, like be fancy. <laughs> can I can I steal that name? No, investing. you can't steal that. You have to say TM Danielle every time. Intensive. I love <laughs> that. Okay. TM Danielle. Yes. It's, uh, it's in chapter four of Invested. I wrote about it. And I've been ever since that, ever since I did that, which I really just did because at the time, like... I really didn't know what to do. And that was a thing that I thought, oh, well, these letters are here. And you had talked so much about how amazing they were. I was like, 
that's a thing I can do. I can read all of the letters. And I really didn't. I read three a day and it took me almost two weeks. And that was a lot. And I really didn't appreciate that much what was in them, which I kind of knew was going to happen. I was doing it to really get a sense of the language of investing to understand what these guys were even talking about. And so a lot of it went over my head. And so every ever since then, I've wanted to redo that experience and really like intensively go letter by letter and not really focus on anything else in my practice, but really just focus on the letters. So I'm going to start doing this again this week. I'm going to start this weekend and I'm going to write about it on my newsletter, The Invested Practice. So if you guys want to join, it's going to be awesome. Go join newsletter.daniellettown.com and you'll get emails from me about my view of the letters. They'll be pretty short. It's all about us doing it together and uh, and having the experience of an intensive focus in these letters. I think you should it's, call this the investing newsletter a lot less intensive. Oh, I love it. You're going to be doing the intensive and everybody else is going to get to benefit from you doing all the work. Well, they could. Yeah, they definitely could benefit from me And then maybe they'll doing... actually go back and do all the work later. Well, that is totally a viable option and I have no problem with that. Feel free to let me do all the work see it like what the result is and maybe go back and do it later. I don't care. It's everybody's practice. It's each our own practice. And maybe it's a bad time to do it right now. And so you want to wait until like the summer or something. Fine. No problem. If you are a subscriber, if you're a member, you can go back and read on the archive anytime you want any of this stuff. So it's really about, for me, this feels like a good time. I'm sort of coming back. I'm starting to feel a bit better. I'm able to concentrate more in my investing practice. And I just really want to start start right, start fresh, and start with the, the words of, of Buffett. So I'm not going to do it three times or three letters per day because that's too much for me right now. So I'm honoring my needs in my practice, and I'm going to do roughly one per day. So it's going to take a bit longer. It's going to take like seven weeks. But oh my um, God, you really set yourself a high bar. But it's um, one per day. So I mean, one letter, they don't take that long to read, you know, it's true. So but it's it really, is, and I will say too, it's a rite of almost a rite of passage for all of the of the investors that I know that are really good investors uh, have gone through this, they've like, ultimately come back to the Buffett letters and said, Oh, yeah, I need to read all these. It's a great point. And so every really single one, as I've been kind of dipping in and out over the last few months, every single one, I've taken like three or four notes of just short things of like, this needs to go on my checklist, or this is something I need to make sure that I look back at later or something like that. Like there's just these little gems that pop out. And I'm so excited to go through in chronological order and see what Buffett's mind was adding and changing and and doing as we go through it. So I'm super excited about it. So go to newsletter.daniellettown.com, The Invested Practice. You can Google it um, and join me. It's going to be great. Yeah, okay, so cool. let's, I'd suggest you all do that. All right. You can and do that it leads too, us Dad. Into, you can uh, join me in investing. I would love to do this. I, of course I'll do this. Absolutely. Yeah, right. I'll You're totally right not. You. Okay. Love 100%. it. 100%. Love the intention. Um, let's, let's go right into Munger's quote because Munger's right off quotes. the bat, he's saying, hey, to get what you want, you have to deserve what you want. Oh, I love it oh, when he yeah, says that. Oh, yeah. You got to do some work. I love oh, it when he says that. You have that. to deserve it. 
He said the world is not yet a crazy enough place to reward a whole bunch of undeserving people. I think Charlie must have done that quote about 10 or 20 years ago, because right now it feels like the world is crazy enough to reward a whole bunch of undeserving people. Hmm. So we'll see. Uh, but in any case, have you got any comments on that I one? I think time frame, time frame matters in that time context. And he has um, said that many times with a little addition, which is in order to get the spouse you want, you have to deserve the spouse you want. There you and go. that's how I've always remembered it. Next thing, the best is, thing. A oh human my God! Being can I say can something do. else about that? Oh yeah. Speaking of spouses, because then I thought, oh, Charlie's been divorced at least once, I think, and he is advi- He's not advising. He is one of the lawyers of record on the Bill Gates and Melinda Gates divorce, which is so weird. Munger is really. Yeah, he's he doesn't even practice of, anymore. Exactly. That's why it's so weird. He's listed as one of the three attorneys on record for Bill Gates. So, I don't know. It might be that Gates and Munger have spent time together and he wants to make sure that everything they've spoken about is attorney-client privilege or something. I don't know. That's exactly exactly the only reason that I can think of. Yeah. Smart move. But the strange thing is what that means is that Charlie Munger is still an active attorney with the court, which like, wow. like why? It's just, it's all so weird. <laughs> well, okay, next quote. Okay, <laughs> you Because we got to do a lot of quotes. So oh, we do? Moving. Yeah. Oh, okay, we're you moving. like 90 quotes or something. All right, I, best thing a human can do is to help another human being know more. That's nice. That's really awesome. Once Buffett was asked what he wanted his legacy to be, and he responded, that he wanted to be known as a great teacher. Yes. Which is really awesome when you think about it. And it's one of the reasons I love what I do with all you guys, ed- trying to educate you, doing this podcast, doing our trainings. I know Melissa or uh, Melissa feels the same way. I know Danielle feels the same way. It's like such a cool thing. Honestly, it really is. When you know you're... I just, I just shot you a note the other day because you were feeling a little bit down and... I shot you a picture of you and I with the oh, book yeah. infested yeah. and said that, you know, I was really, this is one of the best things I've ever done in my life. Like a dream come true doing a, a book with my daughter and also that we've helped a lot of people figure out investing. It's really cool. It is pretty cool. It's amazing. You know, this, we, uh, we got a really nice email from Warren Buffett about our book and I think he particularly responded to you writing about that intention yeah. of his that you wanted to emulate him in teaching people which i yeah. thought was really beautiful he's, like he's he's a really sweet gentleman honestly yeah. all right next one next. is um take a simple idea and take it seriously this this is i don't know what idea. to think about that it's like the idea of do one thing and go deep um ah. it follows through the entire investing practice that we teach honest to god if you still you'll you'll notice it when i after a while, you just look at it and go, yeah, that's what we're doing. Like Initially, the biggest problem that people have when they try to start investing is they try to do too much. They go too broad and they need to focus down very, very narrowly and then get really deep in that one thing. Say the quote again. Take a simple idea and take it seriously. Okay, take a simple idea and take it seriously. So I think then obviously it depends a lot on what the simple idea is. But what he's, yeah, I get what you're saying. 
he's saying, what he's driving at is driving at uh, take yeah. something without complicating it too much. Yeah. By and the that's way, what they've done that makes me think of that amazing book, The One Thing. Oh my God! If you haven't read that book, like, run, don't walk. Really, the one thing. The one thing. I, you don't even need to read the book. I'll tell you what the one thing is. The one thing is decide what the one most important thing in your life is mm-hmm. and do that and make mm-hmm. sure that it happens. I think he recommends every day, but basically like on a very regular basis and don't let other stuff get in the way of the one thing, because most of the time, the one thing is something that is important, but not urgent. And so we tend to be forced really like none of us want it, but we tend to be forced to choose the urgent stuff because they have to get done. And then the important stuff of which the one thing is the most important, gets pushed down. And so the point of the book is make sure you prioritize that one thing. And then the whole book is about how to do that, which is is worth reading. Well, I'm buying it right now. Yeah, it's I'm excellent. Signing in. It's excellent. I'm signing in. I think that's a great, great idea. Um, I just remember that movie with uh, Billy Crystal and they had the guy Curly on his horse out at the dude ranch. And he, <laughs> like, City the slickers. The secret of life. Yeah, City Slickers. He That's holds up his finger. Was that Jack Palance who did that? Yeah. Crusty crust, Jack Palance. One thing, one thing. That was really cool. And he goes, what's <laughs> the one city thing? guys are like, what? What's the, what's one, what's the thing? one thing? All right, next quote. Like Warren, I had considerable passion to get rich, not because I wanted Ferraris. I wanted independence. I desperately wanted it. That's oh, cool. Man. Yeah, right on. All right. Uh, okay, you know, something this is a lot huge. of people miss about Munger is that he was an incredibly successful lawyer, incredibly successful. His as a like business person lawyer, his law firm, Munger Tolis, is one of the top law firms in the country. And that is no easy feat. I mean, it, the, the legacy has in law is not so much of him as like winning certain cases or something like that, but as a business person in law, creating a law firm like that, it's, it's just unbelievable. And nobody ever you, talks about that. I'll tell you another Charlie trivia sure. is that his first investments in when he started getting going on having enough money to invest um, were terrible and he lost money. How do you know that? He talks about it. He does? His, one of his books, yeah. I don't know if I've ever read about that. So he Tell ended more. Up, well, essentially, I love it's hearing like, failure stories. It's like starting to realize that you you have to buy wonderful assets, not just assets that are cheap. Oh, so he was doing the same as Buffett, basically the cigar cigar butt. But he was doing it with real estate, and it screwed up oh. badly. Right. So anyway, just a thought. This quote right here is huge. The big money is not in the buying and the selling, but in the waiting. Yeah. That one is so important, you guys, because it it's hard to understand it until you do what we do. Because you obviously think, well, you know, obviously we talk about a margin of safety, so the buying is important and we talk about, you know, holding it forever, so the selling's important. Here's Charlie selling saying that that's not where you make your money. You make your money when you're not doing anything. You make your money waiting. I I have to say I struggle with that one. And I think, I think it's, it's, it's correct. 
for me, it has to be coupled with, I don't know what the exact quote is, but another thing that he said, which is essentially you have to wait, wait, wait. And then as soon as the opportunity arises, you strike. Yes. And because it comes it being passive aggressive. Oh yeah. <laughs> We're extremely <laughs> passive until we get extremely yes. aggressive. And yes. that's the idea of, of you, you have wait, to you have wait, and then both. you load up the truck. You have to have both. And I think, you know, there's so many, at least this is my like outside view. There's so many financial leap, financial ish people who have to be told to wait because their whole thing is like, they're much more of the gambler type. They're much more of the like, let me do stuff. Let me do stuff. And so, I, you know, I am one of the people who is a natural waiter and not, and I'm so risk averse that I'm like not somebody who's good at, at striking when it's the right time. So I have to have, I have to hear both of those things or else I would just wait forever. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Well, the waiting is on both sides, actually. So I think this is, this is important to understand that the big money is not in the buying. It's in the waiting until buying. And the big money is not in the selling, it's the waiting while you own it. It's yeah. like, it's essentially, one of the real problems I've had in my career is selling too soon and not just staying on. I mean, the classic, of course, is Chipotle, which has been on this broadcast multiple times, which is now at something like $1,500 a share. When I got out, just under 500 after doubling my position. It was one of the classic errors I've made in, in my investing career on that particular company. <clears throat> and this is not a company I don't know well. I know it extremely well. I just misunderstood what this market's doing. Yeah. Right? And on hindsight, of course, it's pretty clear. But I looked at this thing and thought, you know, this is worth five to $600 a share in a reasonable to a reasonable person. I didn't see it's worth $1,500 a share. But Charlie's point is never underestimate the power of the market to be irrational, particularly when it goes up. And you just sit there and you'll yeah. do much better than trying to be super clever. And I think there's a lot of truth to that. The um, Just one more point on this. The, the portfolio that our students put together in Singapore, which is now 12 years ago, almost 13 years ago, 2009, um, what is that? No, that's 11 years ago. Sorry. Um, they put a portfolio together of 10 companies. And this is something we do in every three-day class. But at that particular three-day class, the market had bottomed and they nailed it. And that portfolio, since it was our first class, I've been tracking it the whole time. That portfolio has managed to do, as of 2018, the market's continued to go up. It was doing 32% per year compounded and it had a 1,250% return so far in it. Now, this is a paper portfolio, right? This was, now, if they invested in it, great. They made that money. But the whole key was just sit there and do nothing. 
<laughs> and let the market yeah. take care of you. All you have to do is buy at the lowest point and then wait. <laughs> was classically lucky. <laughs> no doubt about it. Well, not entirely. I mean, I was very public right then saying, you know, we're loading up the truck. Here it is. It's, I don't know where the bottom is, but this is bottomy enough. Yeah. After 18 months to just get going on it. So, well, you know, I think what your students would would learn and probably all of us need to learn is the those dips the peaks and the valleys they look like they don't matter so much over a very long period of time mm -hmm. you know 30 to 40 years of investing and when you're like going through it like right now and you have Warren Buffett putting out letters saying it's about to start raining gold so make sure you're ready it's I think you know, I've been through it now, but I'd never been through it before. And I think that's a really big challenge to say like, okay, I'm going to sit here and watch everything I own drop when I could have done something about it and been ready to buy when everything went down. So I don't think that the, like, I feel like decision-making is the important thing to review, not so much the, the result matters to determine if your decision-making was flawed or not. And so was the decision making flawed? And I think it was in terms of like, for me, I wasn't thinking of the right time frame. I should have been thinking much longer and just go through those valleys. Well, that's the point, isn't it? Yeah, that's the yeah, point. That's what that's I'm the saying. Whole point. The, so, <laughs> the decision know. making when it comes to this thing of like, it seems like the market's going to drop. So I'm going to do something like that's where the error came for me. Yeah. And, and basically, we don't do something because we think the market's going to drop. We do something because we think the market's going to drop and we've got a bunch of stuff that's overpriced. Then I'll do something. How are those things different? Oh, well, I guess I guess the market <laughs> could drop. damn different. I guess the market could drop without things being over. I've never been in a situation as an investor where the market wasn't really overpriced. So, yeah, oh, that's... Well, we're in, we're in a situation right now where I have companies that are not overpriced. And I think the market could drop, and I hope it does. And I'm not selling any of those things. I'm buying more mm -hmm. if they go down, right? Mm -hmm. um, but I have exited positions that I've already, you know, thought have arrived at intrinsic value or higher in anticipation of needing cash yeah. to take right. advantage of things. Yeah. So that you have to like it's not illogical. Uh -uh. It's logical. And but you have to be okay with sitting in cash for three years because that's that can happen. In fact, Buffett talked about that at the meeting, didn't he? Or did I just read that somewhere else? It's just saying saying that he's perfectly content to. St no, it wasn't the meeting. It was the. No, I don't remember it. No, it wasn't. It was in the uh, his first TV interview that a friend just sent me hmm. um, in 1981 or 79, something like that. And he basically said, you know. Uh, the the guy was asking, well, how do you how do you have money? I mean, the the standard convention is to stay invested, and this is of course what a lot of value investors do. Guy Spear stays invested. Well, I mean, know? this is literally what we're talking about: staying invested, right? staying invested. But Warren doesn't stay invested. Absolutely not. He absolutely gets out on multiple occasions. In my experience around him, is that he is out. Um, I'll tell you right, he's really good at it, and. They talk about, no, oh, we, you know, we don't do any of that. But that is absolutely not true. Um, he was talking in 1981 about on this TV interview 
that he'll go to cash and he'll stay in it sometimes for a few months, sometimes as much as two years in cash. And I can tell you right now, he's been in more or less in cash now for four years, almost four years. Well, I mean, Charlie I think- Munger bought his first stock in four years of, 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 in the last quarter. Uh, so, yeah, but I, I think mean, like to I mean, to accurately reflect the record. Yes, he does some of that, but mostly he sticks with the same companies over 15, 20, 30 years. Well, let's let's be clear. He yeah. has his portfolio. Yeah. And then he has cash flow coming in. I wrote about this in, in payback time. The this thing I called a Berkey is basically Berkshire Hathaway is a cash generating machine. That's what it does. It generates an enormous amount of free cash flow, which Buffett is then has to allocate as the CEO of Berkshire. So if he does nothing, cash starts to stack up. And I kind of want that for you guys, too. It's certainly the case that if you have a job and you you don't spend frivolously, you live on less than what you make and pay attention to, to putting away about 10% of what you make off the top, like paying yourself first, which is a great practice then you end up with a growing pile of capital to allocate, which means you can hold on to companies and then you have money to allocate to invest in them again if they if they go down. So, uh, yeah, I mean, Buffett's been holding Coca-Cola forever and American Express forever and all these things forever, but he still has $145 billion sitting there in cash that he has to allocate and he's not allocating it. So right. that, that's the key. So I think that's a great point that the the new cash coming in that's coming off of the businesses is new money that he gets to either invest or keep or whatever. But wouldn't you say that that's different than selling shares? Yeah, but he's, he sells shares all the time. I mean, I remember watching Buffett back in the 80s and 90s and he would unload entire positions, right? I mean, look at what he... I mean, we know can, he does it. He unloaded well, all this of is his a, IBM I mean, this position. is what I'm excited to check as I go through the, yeah, the letter. Check it out. The, yeah. look, at, look at what he did with the IBM. As soon as a company starts performing substantially, in other words, as soon as the story changes on a company from what he thought, he's out of there. Look what he oh, did on all the airlines. True. That's true. He's Absolutely. Gone. Absolutely. He is, I have learned so much from him of how quickly he changes after he decided that he made a mistake or the story has changed or there's Typ- something he didn't the, realize. It's the story's changed and, and that's the But that's he, the he doesn't wait around. No. Like Time he to go. makes the decision and it's done. That's a really good thing to learn. I'm yeah. telling you, we've, we've done that. The most recent example is a company called Chicago Bridge and Iron, um, which has since gone in and been almost, almost went into bankruptcy and, and was acquired famous old 100-year-old construction company, <clears throat> and the CEO of the company was um, was making, on hindsight, horrible decisions in the things he was acquiring. This is a great example of, of a guy who was acquiring things to make his company bigger because that made him bigger. He got bigger <laughs> money as a result of making his company bigger wasn't making it better. He was making it worse. Yeah. And all the decisions he made were taking it down. And somewhere in the process, Buffett had acquired Chicago Bridge and Iron and then seen what this guy was doing and exited. And it took me out of it, too. I saw Buffett exit and I started thinking, well, okay, let's go deeper here. And realized this guy was making bad acquisitions that were in trouble and we exited. Yeah. 
<clears throat> so still a different <clears throat> situation than a company you really like that really hasn't changed and you just think that the stock is way over its intrinsic value and buffett but, will sell those too i mean not anymore because he's too yeah big. that's what i'm i'm curious about because i bet he did used to do that oh, back constantly. when back when it wasn't international news when he I, sold something i think we talked about this a little bit or maybe i just wrote about it i don't remember but basically back in in uh I think he wrote a letter in 1962 or something where he basically said, we, we do three different kinds of investments and, and um, um, our, our long-term investments, he called generals, our long investments are ones where we will buy it at a big margin of safety price <clears throat> and then we'll sell it at the private company price, which is where I'm a buyer. I'm a buyer at the private company price. Yeah, we did talk about that. And so Buffett is basically saying back in those days, he was buying so cheap that he could sell at about half of what the public value might be someday. And so he was still picking up stuff in the late 50s that was sort of depression era looking triple net kinds of things Mm -hmm. or net net sorts of purchases where he was buying them for the cash on the books minus minus the liabilities. So he's not doing that anymore. And he talked about not being able to get out of Coca-Cola when it was running about 90 bucks a share. Uh, he was like very forthcoming saying, I'm just not, I, I'm not nimble. I'm not nimble. And so yeah. he they wants to, but you refer, can't. They refer to that all the time, all the yeah. time. Oh, what we would be buying if we were smaller. Oh, what we would yeah. be doing if we were smaller. You know, they, I mean, with our amount of money, we just can't do that deal. You know, that kind of stuff. It's, I mean, it's Buffett real... has literally said that he he would be making fifty percent a year if if he had a, just a, a million dollar portfolio, and since he's super super smart, and you know, we're making less than half of that, that probably reflects that I'm less than half as smart. So <laughs> if he's got one hundred and sixty IQ, that puts me at about an eighty, but I'm still doing okay, which tells you the next quote. Watch this segue. Okay. Here's Charlie's next quote. You don't have to be brilliant, only a little bit wiser than the other guys on average for a long time. Oh, geez. Like that sounds that daunting. No, oh, a little bit wiser. Wiser that means just for a follow. long period of time. It means it's going to work out to make you wealthy, but you've got to start doing this now and you just keep doing it and you'll be wealthy. And this, this, this also parallels a Buffett quote that Warren was basically saying it would make a lot of sense if you just got a punch card with 20 potential punches in it, like from Subway or something. It's Mm -hmm. got 20 possible punches in it for your entire lifetime. Those are all of the companies you're allowed to buy. And when you're done with the 20th punch, you can't buy any more companies. He said it would slow you down and would cause you to make a lot more careful purchases. He said, if all you did was get four of those right, you'll be very rich. True. True. Four out of 20. And don't sell, right? Right. You just buy them and hold Wait. them. Wait. Yeah. They'll, they'll eventually be companies that will compound money at amazing prices. So, yeah, that's the hard part is, is holding on to my part. Um, I like doing short monger quotes. Oh, Let's these are fun. do some more next time. He says, you don't. Here's oh, another one. Or on that another same one thing. now. Okay, last one. Last one. Same idea. You don't have to have the kind of ability that quantum mechanics requires. You just have to know a few simple things and really know them. 
And this is great because this is what we've been teaching you guys for five years. A few simple things and really know them are what we're doing on this podcast once a week. A few simple things and diving deep into them. So right on yeah. to that. All right. That's we'll come back to Charlie. These are fun. I like doing I, these. I like the short version. Yeah, it's fun. All right. We'll do some All more. right. Okay. Until then, time to play. <laughs> See you guys. Thanks, everybody. Bye. Come join me on the letters. Bye. Hi, guys. Thanks for listening to Invested. If you enjoyed this episode and you want more information or to listen to additional episodes, visit our website at investedpodcast.com and sign up for my virtual workshop right there. Spots are definitely limited for this event. I'm not kidding. They really are. They sell out very quickly. So everything discussed on this podcast, by the way, is either my opinion or it's Danielle's opinion. And it's really important. It's not to be taken as investing advice because I am not your financial advisor, nor have I considered your personal situation as your fiduciary. So remember that. You're on your own here. This podcast is for your entertainment and education only, and I really hope you enjoyed it.